So today we're talking about fear as if we haven't actually talked about it before. But it's good to go over this stuff over and over and over again. I've been afraid over and over and over again. And so we're kind of making a counterbalance of adding some good stuff on top of that pile of uh, fear. Right. And so the last thing that you said, Robert, was that you were kind of afraid to be happy. A kind of afraid to go into what we're referring to as the first jhana without making the first jhana magical. It's just a state of not being afraid. And here you are afraid of not being afraid. More or less. More or less. I'm afraid of being happy. And mm -hmm. I can think up loads of reasons for why that is. I'm not. Some of them seem truer than others, more rational than others. They're all irrational by the definition you've given me earlier. But um, all right, yeah, let's touch that just again for the video sake. And that is, is that in very, very primitive times, there was a use for fear. That we as a species or even we as a um, uh, a whole group of the animal vegetable kingdom, that even trees have a kind of fear. And we've been able to uh, understand that, though the problem with trees is, is that they can't get up and run away. <laughs> but we can, we can get up and run away from the things that are actually attacking us. But, they, but the humans have set up a society to where we are very rarely actually being attacked. Very rarely we're actually being attacked. And yet the fear is there, and for some of us, on a regular basis. We'll have a thought, and then we'll be afraid. It's not something that we see. It's not something that we would feel. For instance, if somebody puts a gun to your head, that's the time for fear, based upon the way that we were, uh, let us say, evolved. That there are certain fears. Now, what we have in, in the, um, human existence is the concept of a warning. In other words, um, in the very primitive times, you can see that two guys were out in the jungle and they happened to see a rhino at, let us say, 100 yards. Right? We can, humans can see a rhino at 100 yards. Rhinos cannot see humans at 100 yards. Their eyesight is not that good, but they might be able to smell us. They got a big nose. So uh, smelling us doesn't mean that he knows where we are. He just knows that he can smell us. And so we freeze in fear as a response. And that freezing of fear means that now, because there's nothing moving, the rhino can't see us. If we turned and ran away, then the rhino can see what's running because the trees are not running away from the, the, the rhino. We are. And so we can, that's the movement. This is why those of us who would freeze in fear were able to survive those of us who ran away from danger. 
In other words, freezing is a way of hiding. We blend into the background. And so this is a natural response for many of us is to freeze in fear. But it's irrational mostly because there are no rhinos 100 yards from here. There are no guns in our face, right? And so the real reason for fear, our society has fixed up for us. But we still have the concept of a warning. So we can see the rhino and we recognize that's a warning and we need to do something. And the correct thing to do for the rhino is to freeze. But when the boss is walking down the hall, freezing is not necessarily the correct response. <laughs> right? And so we have to deal with our fear in a different way. So. Um, this is an important point to remember is, is that fear has been able to keep our species alive. We are, you are alive, thank you, to fear. That in fact, your own fear has probably kept you alive. There has been times when you decided that you weren't going to do something because your fear was so great that it prevented you from doing it. And if you had done it, you'd have gotten killed. Like walking out into traffic. Just that little, oh, there's cars coming. I'm not going to step into traffic, right? Mm -hmm. So we can actually begin to understand that fear is a companion. Fear is an ally. Fear has kept you alive. But your friend fear now is bugging you with false information or false positives, we call it, okay? And so this is the basic problem with the instinct is, is that it does, it's not that it doesn't do its job, it just is it does it too well. And so um, there are times to be afraid. And those times, it's time to not necessarily freeze mentally, but instead to look at what we're doing, to recognize the situation, to find a way out. As I mentioned before, if somebody's got a gun to your head or they're pointing a gun directly at you, we're talking about very, very close range. You look at his postures and his stances and especially how tightly he holds the gun. Because anybody who knows how to use a gun knows that they've got a recoil and that you've got to really hold it tight when it goes off. And so you can look at the guy and you can look at his hand. And if he is holding that gun loosely, if he doesn't have his finger on the trigger, if he doesn't have it caught, that gives you plenty of time to knock that gun away so that if it does fire, it fires someplace else. And that gives you plenty of time to punch him in the eye. But if he's holding that trigger tightly and he's ready to do it, don't make that kind of move. That's the time to be afraid. That's the time to freeze. <laughs> okay. So this is the, um, and this is part of the martial arts training. You got to really look at the danger to find out really what's there. But our situation is completely different because you don't have any alligators chomping at your feet. You don't have any guns pointed directly in your face. And you, you feel afraid anyway. And in this case, afraid of what? And you're saying afraid to be happy. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Now, this this kind of thing can happen as bad information as a child. And that I could say uh, that, let us say that an, an adult is angry about something as he comes home. And when he comes home, he sees children playing and having fun. And he's already pissed off and angry. And so he starts to yell at the kids because something that's already going on with him. And so he's transplanting it. Um, that in psychology, we uh, often uh, talk about it as the pecking order. Have you ever heard of the pecking order? Yeah. Yeah, like who eats first. Right. So his boss chewed him out. And so he comes home in that pecking order style and chews out the kids. And they're that poor kid on the floor having fun. And all of a sudden, he's getting whipped. He's getting chastised. He's getting yelled at. And the child is making the connection between, oh, I was playing. And now I'm getting punished for playing. Because the child is not wise enough to recognize that the adult that came in angry is not really angry at the child. Every child, in fact, we all do that. If somebody comes in our face and yells at us, we always take it personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though it's not personal. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time. We always take it personal. And so this is possibly the situation that something happened or maybe it happened over and over and over again to prove to you that if you have fun, somebody's going to come and piss on your parade. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, guess who's now the one who is charged with following that rule and pissing on your parade? That's me. That's you. Yeah, I'm the You're the one who's pissing on your own parade and you learned how to do that sometime in the past. So if you recognize that, then you can uh, uh, when that fear point in fear comes, you can go through that little sequence that we've talked about. Aha, I see you. I see that fear. And we can also rationalize right now that there is nothing to be afraid of. Because that angry adult is not there standing over you right now. That's just a memory. And it may not even be a, a, a strong memory in the sense that you know exactly who it was at exactly what time it happened, because it might have happened hundreds of times, dozens of times. Mm-hmm. It could have happened mm-hmm. on the on this on the playground that a, uh, that a kid makes a score and the bully doesn't like it and comes in and knocks the tar out of the kid because he made a good score. Okay, this is another option. There are many different possibilities and little kids, we do things irrationally. And so we make the connection between if I make a score, if I do it right, if I'm having fun, something disaster is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Does, that ha- does that have a, a reality for you? Do you, do you see that yeah. there may be going on with you? 
I've yeah, I've seen that in my childhood, that pattern for sure. I think that could have definitely become like associated in my brain. Definitely. All right. So now you can remember. But in fact, let's do it right now. Do you feel any tension and anxiety right now? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. Where is it right now? Is it in the body or is it just purely mental? It's in the body. It's in the body. It's in the body. Where in the body? Upper back, necks, neck, forehead. Um... Sort of eyes, that whole kind of area. All right. Guess what? I'll tell you the story of the lion's mane, and they and it's very very interesting. Uh, the one of the things that I found out recently is that a survey has been done. Now they didn't do a survey by asking questions; they did just by observation. And what they have come to understand is is that female lions are more attracted to male lions that have a big mane. Okay, so, but that's not the the point of the big mane. That's a secondary thing. The attraction to the big mane by the female is because inherently over a long period of time, it has been proven that the mane itself is valuable on its own. It has a purpose beyond sexual attraction, okay? Just like big muscles. Big muscles have their own value that has nothing to do with sexuality. But we have made that kind of connection, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. And you can see other parts of the anatomy, like big tits have nothing to do with sexuality, but somehow they've been connected mentally by humans just like the female lion will be attracted to the mane so what's the mane really all about well if you look at the way that uh that the lions attack their prey and sometimes in battle with each other they will do a bit of clawing the the lion will jump on the back of the animal to try to get it down so that the lion can actually go for the jugular. He goes for the throat. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? If the throat that that lion is going for is really, really hairy, <laughs> then that bite may not be effective. So in fact, the mane is a defense mechanism for attack. Mm-hmm. And our throat area is the most vulnerable area of the body. Mm-hmm. This is why beheadings can happen just so fast. It happens with Japanese swords. It happens with guillotines. It happens with all kinds of things to blow your head off, right? That's because this is the most vulnerable area of the body. Well, guess where you're talking about feeling your anxiety? Right in, in the back, in the neck, uh-huh. around here, okay? Yeah. So one of the things that we can do right now, if you're feeling that anxiety right now, is to pet it, nourish it. You have been seeing me do this now for the past two minutes intentionally. Give yourself a break. Then in fact, when it happens like this, oh, it feels so good. (laughs) Those creas just start popping right up. 
Yeah, it does feel feels good. feels good. Feels so good to relax the neck. Because that's where you've been carrying so much of your tension, so much of your anxiety. And why do you carry it there? Biological, of course. It's part of biology that we will feel that tension in the chest. We'll feel it in the gut. We'll feel it right up through the into the throat and into the back and around this kind of area. So the first thing that we can do is when you recognize that those feelings are there, nourish them. Give yourself a little neck massage. Find out where the tension is. Pull the muscles into your hand. You see me squeezing it like this. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of students will actually say that they have headaches when they do meditation. Or that they have tension in the... Okay, well, guess why? Okay. The reason that we have those tensions is simply because... um, the cardioartery will pump blood into the brain, right out of the heart. It's a direct connection. Pump, 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 and, and the blood goes right in. But the blood then circulates into the capillaries and then comes back down through the vein system. And guess what? If your neck is tight, then the blood that's getting pumped into the brain, uh, the pressure will go up because the neck is tight and the arteries, uh, the, the, the veins can't bring the blood back down out of the head. So this is another reason to go ahead and give yourself a massage. Very, very few meditation teachers will talk to you about actually giving your body a massage, but that's exactly what the body needs right then, is to loosen up that tension, to loosen up those muscles. And deal with it right then and there. But we need to do a little bit more than that because we actually need to look at the source of where that tension, where that muscle stress comes from, and that it actually comes from adrenaline. The adrenaline in the body um, is uh, caused because of that fight, light, freeze syndrome. But adrenaline plays a major factor in all three of those. And here you are frozen with tense muscles. And so I'm giving you the advice to start moving that stuff around, to unfreeze it, to massage it, roll your head around, to move it back and forth, get it freed up. Okay. Now, we've only been working on this for less than five minutes. How do you feel now? Considerably less tense in those areas. It's definitely Uh loosened it up a bit, yeah. Also, one more thing that's going on is now we're talking about Dhamma. We're talking about reality, and we're not thinking about whatever it was that you were thinking about that gave you that tension anyway that we actually have. Um, One of the things that's really hard for for some students to do, and others can recognize it right away, and that is is that sometimes an image will flicker in the mind so fast that we don't even have a way of identifying it clearly. 
Sometimes it has to do with a particular color. And an example of that is, is that if you have a an email um, uh, in your browser, you have an email program and you have a particular background color because, uh, uh, oh, very many of the email systems will let you put a background. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that background has got a particular color theme or particular color. If you're just sitting and that particular color scheme just flashes through the mind, it will associate that with the email and the and then that says, oh, I've got to write emails or there's something that I've got to do. But before you even have the thoughts of that, that flash of that particular color has already kicked off the adrenaline system. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. It's associated with it. It associates with a particular, even just a just a color or just a flash of an image. Okay, so if you if someone has been in a plane crash in their life sometime, all they would need to do is to just uh, turn the page of a book. They're turning pages very quickly, and one of the pages happened to have a picture of an airplane. It was like the airplane that they crashed in. And they didn't see that image on that piece of paper, but maybe a half a second or a third of a second or a tenth of a second. But that me that feeling and association of that plane crash already is there. Mm. So things will happen like that, that we go through a very, very quick. Now, most people think that thinking. Is actually discursive thought that has language built into it. In fact, no, most of our thinking has to do with sounds, colors, um, uh, other kinds of sensations that can happen very, very fast. And so you could begin to recognize what is it that flashes through your mind that causes this tension and anxiety to come up. It can happen very, very quickly or you can actually turn yourself into it. The other way of doing it is um, an example would be writing an email to the boss. And now we're writing it and mulling over it and thinking about it. And every time we run and on and on and on, that adrenaline builds up a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time until we get ourselves all messed up over hanging on to something like writing an email that we're not actually writing that email. We're sitting thinking about the email and not actually writing the email. And so uh, this is another kind of way that we can uh, begin to see how what kind of thoughts that get the mind stuck in that kind of a cycle. So that you can stop that. So these are the two ways of understanding this fear, this anxiety, this tension in the body can come either instantly through one little thought, or it can come through grinding things in. Mm -hmm. Okay, so which do you think that it is? It probably is both. I'd say a mix of both. Um, it's 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 confusing because it's. Um, I don't know why I have this weird aversive reaction. I mean, I do know why. It's probably all the reasons you just mentioned. 
um, I have this weird, aversive reaction to to just to just being happy, you know, to liking stuff instead of wanting it. I think it has to do with that. It has to do with letting go, of, like wanting things and then being afraid I won't be able to get them or something. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like it's probably got to also do with me exaggerating things, um, like thinking, oh, because this 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 then this 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 you know if i don't want this then that's going to lead to me not getting this and this and this and this and etc etc et mm -hmm. so i'm just like blowing stuff out of proportion so um, that's the style of grinding it in one yeah. thing after another after another after another that in fact this is the way that people practice the mahasi method in a way that that's what you're doing that you note this and then that rises and you note this and then you note this and then you're just down into the gutter with that noting but you're not making a change in there and so this is what we have to add to it is is that all you do not have to go down that rabbit hole you can stop it take a deep breath that in fact without even uh, going through a lot of verbalization kind of thoughts, we can begin to make your thoughts more bodily oriented. So as soon as you recognize the tension, instead of trying to figure it out with the mind, the thing to do is immediately start to massage and nurture the body. Taking a deep breath, finding out if the breath has anything to do with the anxiety. Find out where it is in the body and relax that and massage it and continue to do that. Paying attention to nourishing yourself. Because that nourishing yourself and thinking about that and feeling the and actually put your experience into your hands as well as into the neck so that you see the, the, the hands themselves and the neck come together and so you're paying attention to which muscle that you're squeezing um how the fingers are moving across the skin and other things like that and while you're doing this kind of relaxation and thinking about that guess what you're not thinking about whatever it is that causes that anxiety mm -hmm. that's a really good point nourishing yourself instead a really good point and so we've talked about this before but i'm trying to get it to the to the point that you know this is today's talk is not didactic this is not informational this is experiential mm -hmm. <laughs> today is the day to actually give yourself that massage and this is this has got to be something i i start to really train it into myself as a habit through mm -hmm. repeated reminders re-listening to these and just get it get it into myself that you know when i start getting down this rabbit hole just completely drop the whole thing and just get into the body mm -hmm. and focus on something else and start focus working on, with the body focus, focus on, on, the, on body. the body yeah. focusing on nourishing and protecting and relaxing the body with mm -hmm. your hands use your hands to do that also roll the neck around get find out um a way to begin 
to relax the neck and relax the body. And guess what? The important, really, and the important thing is, is that um, while you're actually doing this, there are two things that are going on. One is because you're relaxing the muscles and massaging the muscles. We're actually, um, we're actually pumping blood. Uh, athletes, some athletes know that there are, in fact, three heart muscles. Which ones are they? Well, there's the one that we have in the chest, and then the other heart muscles are the big calves, those big muscles b between the knee and the foot. That big muscle behind. And guess mm -hmm. what? When you're walking, that muscle moving up and down pumps blood back up. Oh. It cool. does. It does. It pumps blood back up. Well, here's what we're doing with our hands. We're actually pumping blood. And because of that, the pumping of the blood, we're now taking all that tightness and all of that extra blood that's, that's caught. And pumping it back into the system so that's one thing you're actually physically doing stuff to help relax but there's something else that's even more important and that is while we're doing that we're not doing what 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 was happening that caused the tension right we're not ruminating on those right issues as rational as they seem on the surface mm-hmm so as you're massaging and thinking about massaging and thinking about relaxing and thinking about nourishing, you're not thinking about whatever it was that gave you the tension in the first place. Now, this is actually perfect. And this has just hit me that this is exactly what I needed, because what I'll always do is I'll 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 stay trying to figure out the issue, trying to resolve it to some kind of conclusion, and then I can relax when I figured it out. Like with this latest one, it's been like, you know, I, I got to find some way to, you know, not want these things, but without, you know, turning this into a big catastrophe where it's leading me to then become afraid of feeling happy, you know, but to just forget about that whole mental game and get into the body and just focus on something else, focus on the, bl mm -hmm. the blood flow, relaxing the muscles, just like take my mind off the entire thing. Cause it's just, it's like what you've said to me many times, like that these, these, these topics and a lot of the psychological stuff is just not worth going into and trying to even resolve and trying to even figure out with like logic into the mind and stuff. And I really, I'm really starting to see that clearly because it's, it's so true. It, just, it doesn't go anywhere, you know? Ah, right. Well, um, we have the idea that, it, oh, if I think myself into feeling bad, then I can think myself into feeling good again. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, that's not necessarily the right way of doing it. In fact, thinking and and um going over it and over it and over it again is what makes it heavy yeah yeah and now i keep failing again I'm, I'm reinforcing that failure i'm saying oh i'm failing to figure it out i'm failing to figure it out it gets it gets more and more dire more mm -hmm. and more serious and there's no need to try to figure it out just get away from it 
And the and the way that we're talking about it here is because you recognize that the tensions and 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 all are in the body. We need to start paying close attention to the body, because as we're paying close attention to the body, massaging it, nourishing it, feeling it, experiencing it, and all of that, we're not caught in that mental loop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what you've been doing is you've been doing mental looping, trying to get out of mental looping. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the obvious answer. I'm oh, sorry. I am so happy to see you. <laughs> my friend, my son has come. <laughs> oh, hi. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you again. He he has been in um uh um Nikon Panon for the COVID and now that COVID is finished, he's he's back home again. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, he got stuck over there. Did he get stuck? No, no, it was just that there was no reason to be on this island because there were no no jobs, no tourism. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, because everyone's at home and stuff, mm -hmm. right? Everyone else, yeah, cool. That's cool. That's really cool. That's awesome. Oh, good for you and him. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, um, let's go ahead and, and finish this now because I think that we've done what we need to do. Mm -hmm. and give I've, got, I've got the message. Definitely. You got it. Yeah. Great. Just, for, right. just, for, just forget about it. Focus on body you know just mind off of the issue just avoid it just like yeah right just don't those thoughts out. yeah out. be here in the body that's the teaching of the booty is to really investigate the body really get in touch with it for it to relax we're only talking about step three and four of anapanasati right now this whole hour that's all we've been talking about is to experience the body and relax it experience the body and relax it Rather than uh, the more Mahasi of noting and noting and and mental and mental and mental. No, let's get back right into the body. Get into your hands. See what you're feeling, what your hands are doing on the body. Really experience the body. And as you're doing that, it will relax. All those little heart muscles, you're pumping blood around. <laughs> All right, Robert, we'll see you later. Thank you, Dan Marta. Much appreciated. This is Excellent. very, very helpful. All right, I'll see you in a couple of days, probably. Thank you. Okay, okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Ciao.